Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today. We get into the Word of God, talk about it, and ask how it can transform our lives. But this morning, we're actually taking a look at another religion, the religion of Islam, and we're comparing it to our Christian faith. A lot of people think Christianity and Islam really are very, very close. It's claimed we worship the same God. We're Abrahamic religions. Maybe there's some similarities between the God we worship and the God of the Muslims. But believe me, the differences are stark. We talked about this yesterday as we saw that we believe in the triune God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And why this is critically important is that as Christians, we believe that God is love. Something that is not not focused on or not talked about or not lifted up at all in Islam, they believe God is merciful, but basically God is, it, we are slaves to a master, certainly not children to a father, as Jesus taught us we should think of our of God. And so there's a big difference between God. Yeah, we, we, we both mention one God, but our understanding of who that God is, his character, his nature, while some similarities, for instance, being the creator, all-powerful, and so on, the differences are stark. But this morning, I want to continue on and look at the other four pillars of Islam, uh, providing we have time. There are five pillars of Islam. We saw them yesterday. They are basically, there's no, you become a Muslim by stating the first pillar. There is no God but Allah, and, and Muhammad is his prophet. We do not believe that as Christians. And I do not believe Muhammad is a prophet of God. I believe he is a false prophet. Why is that? Because he denies the deity of Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, who is the liar? But the one who denies Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. 1 John chapter 2 teaches that to deny Jesus is the Son of God is the spirit of Antichrist. And so is Muhammad a prophet of God? No, he's a prophet of Antichrist. And this is important we understand. And this second largest religion of the world, a religion that looks to dominate the world, we're told is a religion of Antichrist, 1 John chapter 2. But the other four pillars have to do with prayer, the Ramadan fast, giving charity to the poor, and the pilgrimage to Mecca. Let's take a moment and talk about each one of them. Prayer. In Islam, Muslims take great pride in their prayers. They pray five times a day. If you're an observant Muslim, if you're a good Muslim, you pray five times a day. And and yet it's quite different than Christian prayer. It's great. There's great emphasis on form. You've probably seen the videos of it. They all stand at the same time. They all bow at the same time. They they go prostrate to all the way to their face, bowing to the ground. All of them at the same time. Why is that? Because they're taught this is the way Muhammad prayed, and this is the way they must pray. There's great emphasis on the outward. And dare I also say, you may not realize this, but during those prayer times, they're not praying in their native tongue, they're praying in Arabic. Because that is how Muhammad prayed, and that's how God hears them, and they are required to pray in Arabic. It doesn't matter if they understand Arabic. It doesn't matter if they speak Arabic. These are memorized prayers recited in Arabic because that's what's important to them. How different from those of us who pray to God? We start off by saying, Our Father who art in heaven. We praise Him. We speak in our own language. We pour out our heart to God. 
We praise him from the heart because this is important to understand that Christianity focuses, Jesus focused on the heart, on the soul, on having a, a heart that is prostrate before God, a heart that is bowed down before God. Now, I, you know, many Muslims criticize us Christians for the, the way we casually pray and we don't bow, we don't do some of these uh, acts of worship that indicate deep respect for God. To some degree, they have a point, but the answer is not legalism. The answer is not saying you've got to say these words and, and follow these bodily uh, forms because that's just outward religion, something that was often condemned by Jesus as he's focused on the religion of the heart. Brothers and sisters, we should pray. And if you're ever with a Muslim and they will allow you, offer to say a prayer. Because when you pray to God and they hear that, they often think, well, that's not the way we pray. Why you talk to God as if he's personal. You talk to God as if he loves you and you love him. You talk to God in a whole different way than Muslims talk to God. Don't, don't, don't think there's not mammoth differences, and don't allow yourself to be intimidated by their prayers or their emphasis on prayer or that their prayer is spiritual. Their prayer is not spiritual in the way Christian prayer is. It's outward in form, not inward of the heart. Thirdly, the Ramadan fast. <clears throat> Every Ramadan, Ramadan lasts for a month each year. During the Ramadan fast, <clears throat> Muslims have no food and no water during daylight hours. So once the sun is up, nothing. And once the sun is down, uh, you, can, you can go ahead and eat and drink, but nothing during those daylight hours. And this is very strictly observed, very strictly. And if you happen to even be in a Muslim country, you better not eat. You can eat in private where no one sees you, but you can't eat or drink in front of someone. Again, the Ramadan fast, as I see these things, I just think of legalism. I think it's all about if I do these things, I can get closer to God. If I do these things, uh, God will approve of me. This is a pillar. This is a requirement to get into heaven. This is not just a matter of I, I'm, I, want God, I want to be serious. I want to fast. I want to uh, make a statement to me and to God how important this is that I'm praying for. This is not a, a fast of, of intercession or crying out to God. This is a, a, a remembrance of that the Quran was given to Muhammad. The, the visions allegedly from the angel Gabriel came to Muhammad during this month, and so they fast during this whole month. Again, a requirement if you hope to go to heaven, fasting during Ramadan. Now, Christians may fast, and we may, may use it as a time to intensify our prayers, but not as a means by which we get to heaven, and we don't ever want to think that. Third, I want to move on. Muslims give charity to the poor. This is a requirement, not an option. It doesn't even necessarily come from a heart of compassion. This comes from a heart of obedience to the law, the five pillars. They give 2.5% of their income to other Muslim poor, and this is requirement. Unlike, again, Jesus taught us we, we should give, I tithe of my income, 10% of what I make. Uh, I say it all belongs to God. Everything's God's, and I give 10% to demonstrate 
I fear the Lord, I honor God, and I realize my income comes from Him. But I do it out of a heart of charity and love as well, and faithfulness, not just a heart of, of I'm trying to earn my way up to heaven and make sure I can get to heaven by being good enough. And finally, the pilgrimage to Mecca. Muslims uh, are required, if you're able, if you have the means to do it, you're required to take a pilgrimage to Mecca. Now, Mecca is the place in Saudi Arabia where Muhammad lived when he got these, allegedly got these revelations that saying there's just one God and not the 360 gods that we talked about yesterday. But that's not why they take a pilgrimage there. The reason Mecca is so important to the Muslims is after Muhammad got his revelations there and he tried to persuade the people of Mecca to worship the one God, they didn't do it. For about 10 years, he, he tried to persuade people and they didn't, you know, he, he gathered just a very small following and they even persecuted him and drove him out of Mecca. He went up, therefore, to another, uh, up to another city in, in uh, uh, Saudi, what's well, now Saudi Arabia, called Medina. And in Medina, he received additional revelations. The big difference in these second revelations he got was to say that he could now enforce uh, Islam with the power of the sword. People often ask, is Islam a, a religion of force and power? Well, you just look at most of the Islamic um, imagery, and it's got a sword on it. And they believe in advancing Islam by the sword. And the second revelations taught to do so. So Muhammad went back to Mecca. He besieged the city, kind of what's going on in Gaza right now. He cut off access to supplies from the outside. He cut off access to any food getting into the city and besieged it until the people became so distraught, they surrendered and said, we will become Muslim. We'll worship this one God. Uh, the God you're telling us to worship will become Muslim. At, uh, otherwise, they would have been starved to death by the besieging of the city of Mecca. That's what they celebrate. When they take this pilgrimage to Mecca, they're celebrating that this when this city became uh, Muslim. And actually, even in their calendar, that's when their calendar begins and dates from Muhammad coming back into Mecca and gaining control of the city of Mecca and Mecca becoming this Islamic city that's the day they celebrate. When I see all this, these five pillars, I'm just reminded of grace and our grace and how as Christians we are saved not by our works, not by being good enough. We're saved in order to do good works, but are these things that really matter to God? No, God wants us to be saved by the grace of God, to receive the mercy of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to understand that he will never overlook sin. Sin must be punished. It can't be over, as Muslims would believe, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, that's my hope of heaven. If Allah looks upon me and sees that I've, I've tried hard and I've done more good than bad and I've kept my, the five pillars, then perhaps I have a chance to get in. No, it's so different in Christianity. We serve a God who loves us. Our famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. That verse has changed the lives of hundreds of millions of people, me being one of them. And it's a verse that we've foreign to Islam. 
that's not the gospel they preach. They preach a a a religion of of a cruel God, a slave master God, a dominant God, a God who has no emotion, no love, no care. The only emotion he might have would be a God, uh, would be anger and wrath. That's their God, and it drives them on. We, my friends, are to be driven by the love of Christ. You and I, the good works we do are works of love for God and works of love for people. And we overcome evil by good. There is an increasing spiritual battle that has that has reared its ugly head again. Islam, as I said, it, after 9-11 became talked about and popular and on the campuses, it came up all the time. I don't know, about seven, eight years ago, something happened. It began to, the defeat of ISIS, the some of the to be honest, Donald Trump speaking to the Muslim leaders of the world, one of the first, his first foreign trip went to Rome, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, and Jerusalem as he sought to acknowledge the three monotheistic religions and say, we've got we've to have peace with one another. And there was a relative peace for a while, but it's reared its ugly head again just on October 7th, and, uh, and Islam and these demonstrations and the idea of terrorism— it's all back in the news again, and it needs to remind us as Christians that we understand this religion is not one that we should welcome. This religion is very foreign to our Christian faith. It's very foreign to Western democratic ideas, very foreign to freedom, very foreign to, to what our country has been built upon. There is a, a false idea, and in our humanistic culture. Our schools and our people are not trained to identify the difference and to understand that America was built upon an understanding of the Christian God and our freedoms and our abilities to be free and our understanding of what is right and wrong was built on the Christian God. And we, we can't exchange that for the God of Allah, the God of Islam, and think that we will remain a free and prosperous people. It won't happen. People who don't understand this have allowed, we've welcomed a whole new ideology into our world, into our country. And to be honest, we got some problems now. And one way we can beat it is we need to understand what we know, understand what Christianity teaches, how it's superior, promote it, declare it, be proud of it. Be more vocal than they're being. All right, folks, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you today and we worship you, the one true God. We grieve, Lord, at how many people follow a false God. How many people have a self-righteous view that, that if they do all these pillars and all these things, that they can earn their way into heaven, they can earn their favor. And some, Father, some people even believe that by acts of violence, that that's what you want them to do. I pray, Father, that the gospel message of the grace of God seen in our Lord Jesus Christ and the, the power of God demonstrated through the love of God and the love of Christ that fills us might overcome and might prevail. I pray, Father, we're, we're fighting a spiritual battle. We know that there's bullets flying over in Israel and bombs dropping. But more than anything, this is a spiritual battle. We come against the forces of darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that truth 
and justice and the love of God and the, and the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ might prevail. I pray in our lives we would overcome evil with good. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we would be demonstrating the light of the world, Jesus Christ in us. We pray, that you, pray this and give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining with me today. And thanks, if you're new and still with us, welcome. I hope you'll subscribe to our channel. We come here every day, live at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, or you can watch later in the day or listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platform. But I hope you will join us. Build this in your schedule. Make it a part of your daily routine to get in the Word of God with us. It'll make a difference. It'll make you wiser, smarter. It'll equip you to be a godly man or woman. To those of you here every day, I love you, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. I'll be next this week. I'll be at the University of North Florida, Jacksonville, Monday and Tuesday. University of Florida, Gainesville, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you're in any of those places, come on out and join me. God bless you. I love you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.